0: There you go. OK, this is a online communist forum organized jointly by CPGB and Labour Party Marxists. And today we've got Mike McNair talking about free speech and the law, if I'm mistaken. it it's a, I'll carry on. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. general title. But um, what, what it's actually addressed to is uh, uh, not is not starting with free speech and the law as a general issue and general problem, uh, but with um, uh, 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 the Conservative government's proposals for uh, legislation for uh, freedom of speech and uh, uh, academic freedom in institutions of higher education. Um, And um, my starting point but basically what i have to say about this uh is well i start with the point that it happens that it comes along this stuff comes along uh, more or less can exactly contemporaneously with conservative party no platforming campaign uh, against ken loach at the institution of higher education where i happen to work um, so that the idea that we can, should believe that the Conservative Party is about uh, suppressing no platforming and uh, making freedom of academic speech, freedom of speech and freedom of academic uh, uh, speech and endeavors is a pretty bleeding implausible one. And the question in what sense is, uh, what, are they, what are they doing here? And then there's a larger question which is posed by the what are they doing here? And I may have things to say about um, uh, freedom of speech and the law uh, more generally, but actually I'm mainly going to talk, I'm mainly going to be talking just about this particular, this latest uh, initiative. And uh, the essence of what I have to say about this latest initiative is that, like the overwhelming majority of pieces of legislation proposed in the 2021 Queen's Speech, uh, this is a piece of sham legislation uh, whose purpose is merely to get favourable headlines in the Daily Mail, uh, without uh, making any significant difference to uh, what happens in the real world. And uh, um, I'm going to say a, a limited amount about that, and then I will probably say, a li- as I say, a little bit, uh, a little bit more. Um, In practice, it's inevitable that this should be the case, even if um, there had been a serious and honest intention of uh, increasing freedom of speech in universities and institutions of higher education, it would be inconsistent for them to actually have that serious and honest intention while still running a campaign in favor of no platforming people like Ken Loach. Uh, and uh, campaigning against, quote, anti-Semitism, demanding that universities adopt the, uh, uh, quote, International Holocaust Remembrance Association definition of anti-Semitism, unquote, Um, and so on and so on, which is entirely from beginning to end a no-platforming project on the basis of political correctness, the political correctness in this case, being that uh, anti-Zionism is allegedly racism and uh, that because this is allegedly racism, therefore, uh, it ought to be no platform and uh, so on and so forth. Um, so what then are the concrete uh, proposals which government is making uh, in relation to this stuff? And, Uh, The the background context is that it's already the case by virtue of uh, section 43 of the Education Number Two Act 1986 uh, that universities, institutions of higher education are under a statutory duty to secure and promote freedom of speech on campus. In fact, it was a mildly fun circumstance uh, that uh, when the uh, uh, St. Hughes, my, St Hughes College JCR proposed to the college governing body that we ought to associate ourselves with the campaign to no platform, Ken Loach. Uh, it was possible for me to say, I'm sorry, colleagues, uh, that this is illegal under the Education No. 2 Act, <laughs> 1986, <laughs> Section 43. Um, and uh, this uh, uh, particular uh, campaign, Uh, as it happened, this particular campaign was seen off. It was seen off uh, because uh, the St. Peter's College authorities were tough-minded enough to see it off and say, sorry, sunshine, um, that's not us. Uh, There's a very similar campaign going on um, from out of the Conservative media, again, addressed to um, Oxford. Uh, We've had... uh, Maudlin College uh, Middle Common Room took down their photograph of the Queen on the basis that she's associated with the graduate. This is the graduate students on the basis that she's associated with recent British uh, colonialism, which is, of course, true. Um, and uh, the uh, uh, <clears throat> president of Maudlin uh, uh, again, sensibly said to the um, uh, press who were making an enormous fuss about this. Uh, no, um, this is not, this is the MCR's business. This is uh, got nothing to do with the college. We don't uh, uh, have a view one way or the other about whether the, what the, how the middle common room, the graduate common room should be decorated. It's up to them what they want to do. Um, and uh, The third one, which is more substantive, has been going on at the moment, is is again an Oxford story. Uh, Roads must fall. There is a statue of Cecil Rhodes on the north end of uh, Oriel College, two floors up, uh, hidden behind uh, netting, which is there to stop birds shitting on it, um, as was the case previously. Um, And there has been a campaign uh, for um, some years, Rhodes Must Fall campaign, which has been demanding the removal of this statue of Cecil Rhodes uh, as the um, uh, famous colonialist and uh, pirate raider uh, who is the or- originator of Rhodesia, what became Zimbabwe. So he's a. Um, I, it's one of the things, again, curious about this that the target is. Uh, Cecil Rhodes' uh, statue on the top of uh, halfway up Oriel College, difficult to see, and uh, um, uh, not Rhodes House, which is an institution entirely funded by Cecil Rhodes uh, for scholarships for the uh, uh, students from the Commonwealth, which, of course, in Cecil Rhodes' time meant students from mainly students from the white Commonwealth. Rhodes House, however, clearly imagined that uh, although the students have not, people of campaigners have not got into their heads to campaign against Rhodes House, that uh, there's a danger that they may do so. And they've got building work going on and their hoardings covering the building work are entirely uh, diversity oriented, showing, trying to show how the Rhodes Trust, whatever the hell Cecil Rhodes' history may be, um, uh, the Rhodes Trust is uh, 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 eminently advocates of uh, diversity and uh, of opposition to racial discrimination and so on and so forth. Um, the Conservative press at the moment um, has been campaigning because uh, Oriel has been, Oriel College, uh, Oriel College is uh, the most traditionalist of the Oxford Colleges. And um, it uh, was, I think, the last men's college to admit women. Um, And uh, when I was a student in the 1970s, there was an organisation called the Oriel Reactionary Caucus, which uh, went round Oxford chalking up the SS symbol um, on various buildings uh, around around the city. Um, uh, It was Aureolites who were partly involved in the notorious incident of the Monday Club, uh, which was a right-wing caucus in the uh, Conservative Party, the Oxford University Monday Club at their annual dinner marched round one of the colleges singing the horse vessel lead as a result of which they were excluded from the use of the college for their annual dinners in the future. So Oriel, uh, in that sense, uh, it, targeting Oriel uh, is uh, not a um, stupid thing to do because it is the most right wing uh, traditionally the most right wing of the colleges. So Oriel has been havering and wavering about whether to take down Rhodes Statue. And um, 150 uh, academics have signed an open letter saying that they won't give tutorials to Oriel students. This is again uh, under the peculiar regime which prevails in Oxford. Uh, there is no breach of contract or illegality involved in this because uh, no everybody is contracted to supply tutorials to members of their own college, and the only people who are obliged to teach Oriel students are Oriel tutors uh so that uh, this is no different from uh uh this is this is not a uh, in a secondary industrial action or industrial action of any sort it's merely refusing to contract uh saying that you're not prepared to contract uh with uh, somebody who would otherwise be asking you for a contract which would be completely voluntary uh whether to enter into it or not um nonetheless this has become Indeed, uh, Ben, closing comment: Freedom of contract. It's a freedom of contract principle. Um, nonetheless, this has become a cause celebre in the conservative press—a terrible, terrible attack on uh, uh, academic principle by refusing to teach uh, uh, students from Oriel. Um, so this is uh, going in uh, this 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 narrative. Um, In essence, what's happening is uh, Conservative Party uh, election campaigning, um, Conservative Party campaigning for the next general election around trying to adopt the American policy of culture wars, trying to spin uh, the American policy of culture wars. It is also the case that the Conservative Party wants to uh, reverse uh, the Blair era expansion of higher education and possibly also reverse some of the earlier, the Thatcher-era expansion of higher education uh, and send more school kids uh, to um, uh, uh, quote apprenticeship, unquote, training schemes, etc. And so we also have uh, quite a lot of uh, right-wing press at the moment about uh, universities are a waste of money and a waste of time, and uh, the students would do better to get jobs and so on, if they could get jobs. In reality, um, what's been done with the expansion of higher education is to a large extent to uh, mask uh, the statistics for youth unemployment by uh, sending more people to uh, courses of one sort and another. However, what is the government proposing to do? We have to start with the background position as far as the law is concerned. As I said, the uh, Section 43 of the Education Number 2 Act, 1986 imposes a legal duty on universities uh, to protect and promote uh, freedom of speech uh, in universities and other institutions of higher education. The government proposes... Uh, to tighten up, though they don't tell us how they're going to tighten up this duty. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, that there will be a new director of free speech within the Office for Students regulatory body. Now, uh, compl- the Office for Students technically already requires universities to lay out how they're going to comply with Section 43 of the Education No. 2 Act 1986 as a condition of their being entitled to give degrees out. But all that means is you have to uh, submit forms and tick boxes to show that you've got a a pro-free speech uh, policy. The new director of free speech within the Office for Students uh, will be a person who is responsible for promoting uh, this regulatory framework and further is responsible for hearing and dealing with complaints from students about uh, uh, and others about violation of the section 43 duty. Yeah. Um, uh, the OFS is intended to be given a Uh, an increased power to sanction universities which are not compliant with its uh, free speech instructions, but given that it already has the power to take away the degree awarding powers if there's non-compliance with section 43, it's not clear that that's going to make any difference. I I guess it's going to be that this guy will be, and I'm no doubt he will be headlined as the free speech czar, uh, which of course is a nice uh, contradiction in terms um, but like the anti-drugs czar and all of the other czars of one sort and another who have been uh, created. Uh, they have called him the free speech champion or alternatively the director of free speech. Uh, I guess uh, uh, being aware that um, free speech czar sounds a bit weird. Um, uh Secondly, the, uh, there will be tightened regulation of what is acceptable, i.e. that there has to be a whole load of text, which is put in as compulsory in university free speech policies. The present position is that universities are required to tell students about their free speech policies every year. They don't propose to change that. And I don't think that they propose to uh, insist on us having uh, student assemblies at which the Vice-Chancellor will stand up and read out the government's uh, favoured text about free speech policy. Thirdly, um, student unions will be directly regulated by uh, OFS, the Direct Office for Students. The present position is that free student unions have this rather ambiguous character that they are, in theory, charities, and as such are, in theory, regulated by the um, uh, 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 Charity Commission. And it has been it was it used to be a um, fun activity for right wing law students in the 1970s uh, to um, judicial review student unions which tried to pass anti-apartheid legislation on the ground that this was uh, anti-apartheid resolutions or uh, on the ground this was political activity which student unions aren't allowed to do because they're charities. Um, There's a sort of curious balance between on the one hand this proposition and on the other hand the proposition which is generally uh, being part of the culture of higher education, that student unions are supposed to be autonomous bodies and not simply emanations of the university or of the state. And in consequence are also supposed to be institutions through which students learn how to do politics, um, albeit the politics which they learn how to do uh, is very much uh, that of the labor bureaucracy. Um, Ben's also made the point they're not financially autonomous. That's a sort of ambiguity because they're... I'm not sure what the present position is, but certainly as of the 1970s, it was the case that student unions were paid for by subscriptions paid by students, but these subscriptions paid by students were and are compulsory. You can't don't get to opt out of paying your student union subscription. Um, uh Oxford. It was odd again in this one in the 70s, in that uh, the uh, central representative body, the Student Representative Council, uh, uh, was voluntary. It was the College JCRs, which are the student unions for the individual colleges, which were compulsory, and they chose whether or not to participate in SRC, which is now called Oxford University Student Union. Yeah. Um, however, uh, so bringing student unions under the remit of the Office for Students, as opposed to the Charity Commission, is supposed, according to the government's uh, consultation paper, to produce a uh, more hands-on regulatory uh, operation um, through this uh, free speech czar, and I'm going to keep on calling him free speech czar in spite of the fact that's not what they call him, because it uh, through the free speech czar uh, intervening when complaints are made against student unions that they promoted um, uh, 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 anti-free speech uh, operations of one sort and another. Um, Fourthly and finally, uh, there is going to be a new tort liability uh, against universities for violation of uh, Section 43 of the uh, 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 Education No. 2 Act, uh, 1980, violation of the free speech duty, uh, which will lie in favour of uh, people who claim to have suffered loss as a result of uh, uh, cancellation campaigns, people who have personally been cancelled as a result of cancellation campaigns, the organisers of meetings who have been cancelled and have then had to pay money for, for, for rooms which they've booked and have lost that money because it's been cancelled. Um, the background to this is that the court said that there isn't such a liability. This is part of um, a much more general uh, phenomenon of the courts uh, trying to limit the scope of civil liabilities for breach of statutory duties. Yeah. um and because there isn't such a liability it's also the case that there's no damages to be awarded in uh, judicial review proceedings and further uh that there are serious limitations on who uh, has standing to sue in judicial review proceedings that is where you go to the court and say court please quash this decision which has been made by this public body or institution or whatever, because it's contrary to law, who has the right to claim on on that basis? Uh, So creating a new tort liability is supposed to be um, beneficial uh, from this point of view of uh, deterring um, anti free speech operations. Uh, Exactly who and, uh, it, ben, you raise the question of that that affects uh, academics teaching. I think not. Um, it affects, um, as defined, it affects uh, its university if the university violates free speech rights. Yeah. Freedom of speech, however, and this is all through this um This is uh, February, they haven't changed the current proposals from this February uh, 2021 uh, consultation paper. All through this text, we are concerned with, quote, freedom of speech within the law, unquote. Freedom of speech within the law. Of course, there is freedom of speech, which is outside the law. Speech which is within the law, speech which is outside the law. What speech is outside the law? Uh, in fact, the uh, consultation paper discusses two areas in which speech may be said to be outside the law, and uh, equivocates on both of them. Um, uh, the first is uh, the uh, Equalities Act, Equality Act 2010 and the public sector equality duty, which arises under the Equality Act 2010. Now, in point of fact, actually, it's the Equality Act 2010 and the public sector equality duty arising under the Equality Act 2010, which is the principal ground which has been given uh, for no platforming. Uh, The argument is that uh, uh, anti-Zionist speech is, anti Semitic and because anti Zionist speech is anti Semitic it in consequence means that uh, uh, Jewish students are made unsafe and because Jewish students made unsafe permitting anti Zionist speech uh, is harassment but then equally permitting uh, TERF speech uh, trans exclusionary radical feminist speech is harassment of um, uh, uh, trans Uh, men and women, Uh, permitting the uh, use of overt racist arguments is harassment of uh, black students. But equally, actually, it could be the case that permitting um, uh, uh, black supremacist argument and of course, when we when this stuff started in the Race Relations Act. 1967, The uh, Michael X, the first person convicted of the, uh, under the uh, Race Relations Act was a black power advocate, not a far rightist. Uh, so the uh, uh, appendix in uh, the consultation paper weasels over this question and says, in our view, in our view, 68, sorry, yeah, it's the Act of 68 which creates the new. Anyhow, in our view, um, it uh, is only harassment under the Act if it's targeted on a particular individual. Well, that would be uh, plausible if it weren't for the fact that the harassment offence under the um, 2010 Act is unwanted conduct related to a relevant protected characteristic and the conduct has the purpose or effect or effect of violating a person's dignity or creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment for that person. So that the argument that uh, there there is a large space of uh, uh offensive speech which is offensive to people but is not illegalized by the uh, provisions of the equality act 2010 uh, is bollocks it's not true the reality is that the equality act the term the harassment uh, section under the equality act 2010 uh is um Defined excessively broadly, it's defined excessively broadly because the courts took an excessively narrow approach to the preceding definitions of harassment, uh, which were intended for stuff which was targeted and refused to say, look, we can see, we can have evidence that this guy has been going around uh, carrying on a Nazi agitation. And therefore we can reasonably infer that when he says nigger, that he's actually saying nigger with a view to uh, harassing people, yeah. uh, having uh, taken the view that that stuff is not admissible evidence, that they can't run the uh, prosecution in that way, then uh, Parliament, under the late, late Brown late period of the Brown administration, and then it's passed by the Cameron administration, drafts the harassment clause so broadly that it's actually inconsistent with um, uh, uh, any general freedom of political speech. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, and probably equally important, in fact, is the prevent duty, sections 26 to 35 of the Counter Terrorism and Security Act 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, general duty on... I'm not going to be more detailed on that. It would take too long. Um, general duty on the um uh, uh public institutions of one sort and another to have due regard to the need to prevent people from being uh, drawn into terrorism including higher education institutions and the governing body etc must have regard to the guidance issued by the secretary of state when carrying out the duty and so on and so on and so on again Oxford, we had a uh, fairly extensive discussion about this stuff um, and uh, the original proposals which were brought forward by the administration uh, to uh, 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 in comply with the prevent duty fairly clearly would have shut down uh, Islamic society meetings uh, meetings which were hostile, anti-war meetings, etc., 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 as potentially uh, drawing, involving, drawing people into terrorism. Um, fortunately, um, uh, colleagues in the law department pointed out that the uh, um, 2015 Act does not impliedly repeal the. Um, 1986 Act, section 43 of the 1986 Act, and certainly that the guidance issued by the Secretary of State in relation to the prevent duty does not impliedly repeal section 43 of the 1986 Act, and therefore that um, there should not be uh, compliance with the Secretary of State's guidance on the basis that compliance with the Secretary of State's guidance would be illegal under the terms of the 1986 Act. Um, on the other hand, actually, that's, a, a, that's Oxford. And I guess that uh, an awful lot of other institutions that will just have complied with the Secretary of State's guidance um, uh, 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 rather than anything else. So, um, this, back to our freedom of speech within the law because the uh, we've got this very widely drawn prevent due to we've got very widely drawn um, anti-terrorism legislation we've got new widely drawn uh, the sorry very widely drawn um, uh, 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 equalities legislation on harassment um, we've got Uh, We have actually also got very widely drawn anti-terrorism legislation, which is uh, the the Terrorism Act passed under Blair uh, criminalizes, for example, criminalizes as terrorism, for example, hacking uh, in the interests of Extinction Rebellion or for any other political purpose. Um, We also got other stuff, which is illegal speech, defamation, for example, is illegal speech. But what's defamation? Until Robert Maxwell fell off the back of a ship, uh, saying that Robert Maxwell is a crook uh, was uh, defamation. Um, um, and a whole raft of other uh, examples of one sort and another, famously of the gagging injunctions uh, adopted by various people uh, to uh, prevent speech. Um, We've recently had uh, uh, the ex um, uh, former British ambassador to Uzbekistan, who got sacked out of the administration for his uh, uh, failure to back up the friendly relations between the British state and the torture and government of Uzbekistan, uh, jailed for contempt of court by revealing information which could be used to identify the witnesses in the sexual harassment case of uh, uh, Alex Hammond, um, in violation of the uh, court's uh, uh, uh secrecy order um ha- having said that the, uh, the the and the background to this is in reality it was impossible to yeah in, on bail but in charge charged and uh sentenced to jail on, on pending appeal you yeah? know um the background to this is that it was impossible to Contest the, the validity of the evidence which have been given by these witnesses without revealing some degree of poss- information which could be used to uh, lead to uh, the uh, discovery of the names. Mm-hmm. So, this is just an example of the range of things which are uh, 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 speech, forms of speech which are contrary to law. Mm-hmm. Um, So my point here is when the government is saying we insist that the legislation must protect freedom of speech within the law, uh, this expression within the law is very unambiguously weasel words because without cutting down the scope of the harassment definition under the Equality Act 2010, without getting rid of the prevent duty, without making clear that uh, freedom of speech within the law uh, means uh, freedom of speech subject to the risk that you have. Obviously, there's a risk of being sued for defamation, but that risk of being sued for defamation is not a reason why the uh, institution should shut down public meetings or say uh, a risk of being sued or a risk of being sued for contempt of court or whatever the case may be. Uh, is these are not reasons why institutions should shut down um, discussions. You know? um, this uh, uh, issue is uh, uh, seriously problematic. Um, secondly, tort liability. Okay, how do we enforce a tort liability? In theory, if the uh, uh, tort liability is for a small amount of money, it can be brought in the small claims court. Uh, in, uh, 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 but the adverse party, in practice, could always uh, remove it, take it up by appeal. And certainly with cases like this, which are sort of potentially high profile, it's quite likely that they'll be shoved into the uh, central court division uh, central courts, in spite of being relatively small amounts of money involved. Yeah. And in a sense, actually, these are probably going to be treated as analogous to defamation, because certainly what we're really complaining of, if I'm, no, suppose I was no platform by some institution which I was supposed to be going to speak at, yeah uh, and i wanted to litigate about it what i would be really complaining about is not the loss of um uh the price of a rail ticket or whatever it was it took me to get there yeah uh but uh, the uh, effect of the uh, no platforming on my a public reputation. So this is not defamation, but it's like defamation. And because it's not defamation, but it's like defamation, it will almost certainly wind up be taken over by the specialists in defamation. And the specialists in defamation are engaged in uh, an activity which is best characterized by saying that the House of Windsor, Uh, House of saxe coburg gotha slash House of Windsor has uh, since uh, the middle 19th century been selling and denying justice in violation of Magna Carta, Chapter 29, which is still in force. One of the few bits of Magna Carta which still enforces that the crown promises that they will not sell and deny justice. Okay, you don't personally pay the queen as people used to personally pay King John. Uh, for expediting treatment or to shut their opponent up uh in uh, judicial proceedings you can find the cases in the records because he wrote he sent letters to the judges saying stop this case the defendant has paid me to stop it <laughs> uh queen victoria edward the seventh uh, george the fifth george the sixth elizabeth the second haven't personally been taking money for the dying justice, they've been franchising it to the Bar of England and Wales and the Law Society uh, through the um, uh, 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 free, quote, free market in legal services, unquote. And in particular, in relation to defamation claims, uh, the uh, effect of these uh, uh the, the, the extortionate charges of barristers and solicitors concerned in dealing with defamation claims is both to price claimants, uh, lower class claimants out of the market and also to price lower class defendants out of the right to their day in court. Mm-hmm. Uh, leave aside the point that the deep, generally deep pockets wins, we know that. Um, It hasn't been done in this country. It has been done in the States. It turns out that uh, it's predictable who will win in public nuisance cases in connection with uh, pollution. Uh, Entirely predictable... Uh, not entirely predictable on the basis of who spends more. Uh, the other significant, statistically significant factor is that uh, Republican judges usually find for defendants in pollution cases, Democratic judges are more likely to find for claimants, but uh, that's much less powerful impact uh, than uh, the um, uh, 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 impact of uh, the amount spent on litigation. Deep pockets usually wins um in litigation so the sale and denial of justice taught not it's not just um uh, uh libel cases uh, where sale and denial of justice takes place hazel Gens' book hard bargaining again back in the 1980s demonstrated empirically that um, uh, uh taught to claimants in relation to industrial accidents and road traffic accidents usually wind up settling for much less than the law says they should get for their uh, injuries. Uh, because the ability of the um, uh, uh, defendant insurance companies to exhaust the resources of the claimant's lawyers um, is so effective. Vince Cable's wizard wheeze choked off most industrial tribunal applications by poiking the fees up so that people couldn't afford it. To the point that finally the court struck it down as being an abuse of the power to uh, um, uh, set fees. Um, but uh, the uh, in immigration matters, uh, the government has gone to the length of saying that uh, nobody can appear for the immigration claimant in judicial review proceedings unless they have previously been uh, approved by the Home Office. So, hey, in this case, uh, the claimant is not allowed to have any lawyers other than those approved by the defendant. Uh, So my point, I guess, is uh, in relation to this stuff, that the the, uh, context of what they're doing with creating a tort liability Mm-hmm. This is carefully designed that it will be under the control of this mechanism. It will be contr- that, that, that a tort liability, as such, is necessarily controlled by this mechanism of uh, uh, the use of uh, legal fees to choke off or facilitate uh, access to justice. And we can see that, in fact, in relation equally in relation to the um, uh, Labour Party's disciplinary proceedings in the anti-Semitism campaigns, that uh, the uh, litigation brought by supporters of uh, um, the witch hunt has been uh, heard very rapidly, has been backed up with uh, no doubt substantial very substantial sums of money spent on litigation uh, the uh, uh, people who are penalized um, uh, 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 on the other hand had much less uh, access to um, uh, uh, this stuff okay so then but at the same time take it to and fro, to and fro, in this stuff, yeah. it's not going to be the case. We we saw off on the basis of uh, 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 I say we, yeah. Oxford saw off on the basis of Section Forty Three, the attempt to no platform can loach at St Peter's. But how many I, how many universities how, uh, 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 can uh, will can and will be able to do that? I mean, again, actually just in relation to a potential expenditure on legal fees. You know. uh, Christchurch College, which is one of the richer colleges uh, in the university, has been having trouble with uh, its principal. Uh, I'm not going to say more than that. There's a fight going on between the uh, uh, academics on the one side and the principal on the other side. Uh, who's right and who's wrong on this is... Um, Who the hell knows, but the Charity Commission is intervening uh, on the basis that the fellows have inappropriately spent money on litigating with the principle of uh, allegations made against the principle of of personal misconduct, and that that was a uh, breach of trust as charity trustees. It's e- all too easy to imagine the Charity Commission intervening to say to St Peter's College, if suppose that the uh, uh, Board of Deputies who got up the campaign against Ken Loach speaking at St Peter's College had uh, started litigation with St Peter's, the Charity Commission would almost certainly have said it's your duty as charity trustees to roll over and comply with the demands rather than waste uh, 30000 £40,000 on legal costs, which is the sort of money you'd be talking about at first instance without going to appeal yeah. um, so designed therefore to be regulated in the instant in the interests of uh, uh, the Conservative Party and their friends um, but it has to be said that they can have no legitimate given that Section 43 of the act has been in place since 1986, and it has never choked off uh, student no platforming campaigns. Yeah. Uh, there is absolutely no uh, prospect of uh, very, any really significant change in the practical operation of the legislation taking place. This is a set of rules Uh, which is going to increase the costs of the Office for Students, increase uh, bureaucratic form-filling operations affecting uh, universities and colleges, um, and do so without making any significant impact on... um, uh, the frequency of uh, no platforming campaigns. Indeed, actually, uh, I can't remember if it's Peter Hitchens or Peter Oborn, the right-wing columnists in the Daily Mail, one of these two made the point that the result of this legislation will actually be, almost certainly, be to reduce free speech because people will look over, their, sh- the bureaucrats will look over their shoulders and uh, decline to take bookings at the first stage, which are in any way risky, because although if they cancel bookings, they will be required to make a record of it. If they simply fail to accept a booking and say, sorry, we don't have any space, uh, they will not be obliged to take a record of it. So likely it will, in fact, reduce freedom of academic speech, freedom of speech in universities. but not in the sort of direct way, which one might, in a certain sense, one can ex- could imagine it um, uh, very operating in a very clearly discriminatory way that anti zionist speech is taken to be illegal and um, uh, uh, racist speech is taken to be legal, which is perfectly possible, but it, uh, it's more likely that it just does nothing. Like an awful lot of this legislation, you wind up, there's going to be more forms filled in, there's going to be more boxes ticked, there's going to be more paperwork of one sort and another, but actually no practical, no serious uh, practical impact. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the uh, general situation, Mm -hmm. chilling at most, yes, chilling, but. Uh, Actually, this is the general situation of an awful lot of uh, uh, legislation passed in recent years. That that we get legislation which is uh, designed to do the minimum possible, while at the same time uh, making good headlines for the Daily Mail. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I've written on the uh, criminal justice, uh, the uh, police crime, etc. bill the policing bill uh, which there's been a kill the bill campaign about but the reality is the kill the bill campaign the only operative thing which it does as far as i can see other than wasting an awful lot of police time on making completely pointless reports of offences of violence which the police would have to make uh, in, in in a different form anyhow uh, the only operative thing which it does is to abolish the public nuisance liability of polluters by requiring the uh, uh, offender to have intended or been reckless as to the uh, 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 actual effects of the uh, public nuisance activity. Um, Why is it doing that? It's doing that because the point of this bill and the point of the current bill is to uh, simply to get good headlines. The same is true way, way, way back. Um, section 28 of the local government act 1986 I think it was prohibited local authorities from quote promoting homosexuality the sole purpose of this bill which had no uh, practical teeth to it at all uh, was to serve as uh, a continuation of the press campaign against the Inner London Education Authority and against uh, 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 teachers using the uh, book Jenny Lives with Eric and Martin. Uh, nothing, it just simply headline for the purpose of the uh, inter- interplay with the, the headlines. I'm going to say, I, I've spent almost all the time I was going to do simply on this bill uh, and I don't uh, I propose to say very little more indeed. So my, my one final point is this. This phenomenon of uh, freedom of speech, bureaucratic regulation uh, interplay with uh, press campaigning illustrates the fact, uh, which is a point that has been made by uh, Slavko Splichow, uh, and which I have also made myself, um, I'll put it up in the chat in a minute when I've stopped talking, um, that freedom of the press and freedom of speech are counterposed ideas. How has it come to be the case that uh, turf no platforming, take, say for example, this is um, either uh, uh, trans rights activists, no platforming of TERFs, or yeah, it is trans rights activists, no platforming of TERFs. We're almost entirely concerned with from that direction. Yeah. Trans rights activist campaigns of no platforming of turfs are minority, big time minority operations. In reality, actually, that's also true of uh, 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 pro Zionist campaigns of no platforming of uh, pro Palestine activists. These are minority operations. Why are they? In, why do they impact on? Uh, university bureaucracies. Why? Why is notice taken of them? And the answer: Why notice is taken of them is because they're amplified. Who are they amplified by? They are amplified by the advertising-funded media, in their own interests and in the interests of the Conservative Party, in the interests of their funders, and in the interests of the Conservative movement. Freedom of the press. Uh, is freedom of the concrete physical and business assets of uh, corporate media institutions. Freedom of the press is not freedom of speech, it's freedom of amplified speech, freedom of the uh, 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 amplified speaker to drown out uh, contrary points of view. And in fact, actually, quite a lot of these cases which give rise to Uh, The evidence which is being supported of there being a chilling atmosphere and so on and so forth uh, is is entirely about uh, the uh, um, amplification of relatively small protest movements by uh, uh, the media and the responses of the image management guys uh, in university corporate management of one sort and another. But this aspect of the story about uh, free speech and universities and no platforming and so on and so forth, this aspect, this thing has nothing to say about it. Why? Because actually, this process of uh, amplification of minority points, small minority points of view by uh, uh, the advertising funded media uh, not in the interests of knowledge of the truth, not in the interests of the campaigners, but simply in the interests of uh, government and uh, Conservative Party news management. Um, This freedom of speech in that sense, freedom of uh, um, uh, 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 amplified speech, uh, is antagonistic to Uh, freedom of uh, political speech more generally. So there's this ambiguity about uh, 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 freedom of speech versus freedom of the press, um, uh, which I think uh, I'm not going to say uh, we have a solution to this problem, but my personal view is that the solution to this problem is to prohibit the uh, mixing of advertising with news or anything else um, so that you can, hey, they can advertise, they can put as many channels with nothing but advertising on as they want. But if you're going to put news on, you can't put adverts on. Conversely, if you want to print news, you don't print adverts. Um, but that's a, not a CPGP point of view. That's just me. Cheers.